0: This is Melissa Milner. Welcome to the Teacher As Podcast. The goal of this weekly podcast is to help you explore your passions and learn from others in education and beyond to better your teaching. The Teacher As will highlight uncommon parallels to teaching as well as share practical ideas for the classroom. In this episode, I interview Christy Sumner. She is a paranormal investigator and she does investigations with her company, Soul Sisters. She works with her sisters to tell the stories of different historical locations. Now, whether you believe in ghosts or not, this interview will hopefully inspire you, like it did me, to get into digital storytelling with your students. Christy also highlights the importance of doing your research, and that some of the best stories are right in your own local area. Next week, my interview with Nicole Kang will be about the same topic of digital storytelling. Enjoy my interview with Christy Sumner. Welcome, Christy Sumner.
1: Thank you so much, Melissa. I appreciate you having me today. So what do you want the teacher
0: as listeners to know about you?
1: I think the one thing that I would really like to have known about Soul Such as Paranormal and about myself is that first, we're an all-female team of paranormal investigators and we also have advanced degrees so we take that knowledge that we've learned from the classroom from being in the classroom not only as academic teachers but also as students um, and we want to take that and really use that in our paranormal research so instead of saying we're ghost hunters we actually want to say that we are paranormal investigators and we use what again what we've learned as as teachers that that methodical research method if you will to
0: really approach our investigations. What is your proudest moment in your work so far?
1: Well, overall, the proudest moment I can say is that I've been able to form this team with my sisters. It's something that we greatly enjoy and that we've been able to go across the country investigating these amazing um, historic as well as reportedly haunted locations as a team and as researchers. So for me, being able to bring that sense of professionalism, if you will, to the paranormal community, which is you know, somewhat seen as a subculture by the mainstream community, I think that's my proudest moment.
0: What makes a great paranormal investigator and why isn't it more mainstream?
1: Well, for us personally, um, when you tell somebody that you're first, when you tell somebody that you're a paranormal investigator, the response is they either look at you like you have two heads or they want to tell you their ghost story. There's there's very little in between, <laughs> and because because of the first response, you know, we really felt that what what we want to portray is that sense of professionalism. So when we first decided to formalize the group, you know, we we um, we got our our name together, which is Soul Sisters Paranormal. We had our branding created, um, we had our logo created, our theme music created, and when we go to these locations, we're extremely uniform. We wear polo shirts, you know, khaki pants to do our 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 initial walkthrough investigation. And again, we feel that we need to do that because we're already fighting that stigma of, well, ghost hunters or or paranormal investigators are strange, they're kooky, they're crazy. Um, They're investigating that's something that can never be proven. And so we really had to fight that battle as well, as well as being an all-female team. So for us, uh, I I think the fact that we are able to portray what I hope is a professional look and feel uh, allows us to kind of step above that subculture thinking, if you will, and bring it to the the mainstream. Um, and that's what we've, uh, you know, that's what our approach has
0: been. Can you tell the listeners a little bit more about how you decide what story you're going to tell?
1: Well, first and foremost, for us, the historical piece is the most important. So regardless if we find anything paranormal or unexplainable when we go to these locations, we're still going to highlight the historical piece of the locations that we visit, because we think that the history is the driving force behind what we do. Um, you know, being able to visit Civil War forts or Revolutionary War forts or the St. Augustine Lighthouse or prisons, they all have their place in history. And that's something that we will highlight, regardless of what we find unexplainable. Um, for us, when we go into these locations, the first thing that we do is we take a day tour um, the day before we do our investigations, and we want to do that to control for any environmental factors. So we'll go in and we'll look for things like um, street lights, car noise, airplane noise overhead, um, any, you know, if we could find it, any settling in the building, um, any electronics um, or electrical outlets in the building that can affect affect our readings. Um, So we, we take very copious notes when we go in, because we don't want that to interfere with what we find that could be considered unexplainable in these investigations. So then, the night of the investigation, we will go in and we will set up our stationary equipment, such as night vision, night vision video cameras, uh, voice recorders, some electronic equipment that we have that measures energy and static electricity. So we'll take that in there and we'll set all of that up, and then we begin our investigation. And we go through the location very methodically in order to conduct these investigations. Uh, you know, like I said, we we do have tools that measure electromagnetic energy, that measure static energy. So theoretically, these tools, if they sit by themselves without any outside interference, they shouldn't alarm. So for example, if I take what I call, there's a tool that we use called the REM pod, Um, It measures again electromagnetic energy if I take that out and say we set it in a field somewhere because there's no energy out there that thing should sit by itself and not alarm at all because nothing's acting upon it. So when we take the the REM pod into a location that we know has no power to it or no electricity to it when we set it up same theory, it should not alarm at all. So when we go into these locations and we find that it does alarm or alarms on command, that to me is unexplainable. And so that's what we will put forth in our videos. Um, for for us, and it, 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 it is hard to get over that stigma that has been created by television shows because what we do is is different we don't go in with bravado we don't go in to look for something to attack us or anything that is demonic we legitimately go in to tell the story and for us that's extremely important if you watch any of our videos you'll see that the common phrase throughout is can we tell your story we're here to tell your story we're not here to hurt you or manipulate you in any way but we legitimately want to know what happened to you and to this place we feel what we're doing is we're attempting to educate our audience on a couple of things. The first one is the historical locations that we visit. If we can in some way instill an interest in our audience, about the locations that we've gone to, then we feel that we've done our job because these places need to be preserved. And if somebody says, oh my gosh, I wanna go to the St. Augustine Lighthouse now, and they're willing to put forth money to go and, and visit that, then that's helping with the preservation of that location. And that to me is doing my job. The second one is to attempt to validate some of the paranormal occurrences that have been reported at those locations and see if we can mirror it up with that historical research
0: why did you choose to make video presentations of your work instead of just audio or, for instance, writing a book?
1: For us, we feel that based on what we do, the the video component is it, it allows us to get, convey the historical aspect as well as the paranormal investigation aspect. It, it just conveys better over um, visual media than it does over audio or written forms of media. Um, that's not to say that it, at some point we won't do a podcast or put together a book, but for right now, you know the historical the historical portion as well as the paranormal investigation, it really, it it highlights better over a video, uh, I feel anyway. For example, we go into the Lizzie Borden House. It's difficult for me to describe the rooms of the Lizzie Borden House. The the you know the, the first story, the second story, the basement. Um, you know, I feel that would take a very long time to describe the layout of that house. But if I can take a walking tour with a video camera and show that. Uh, I think it translates a little bit easier, so you can, so the audience can see what it, what actually transpired in that house, or get a historical perspective of that house. So again, for me, it's just the the medium that we've chosen. Um, we've gotten a great response from it, and uh, you know, at some point, like I said, a podcast may be in the works or a book may be in the works. But for right now, that's just the easiest form for us to convey convey both the historical aspect as well as our paranormal investigations.
0: When you're researching, do you start with a specific story in mind, or do you just do broad research and then find your stories?
1: It's kind of like the funneling down, if you will. I start very broad on most topics, And then I funnel down into the information that I feel um, is either lesser known or some facts and figures that our audience might find interesting. And, you know, just kind of really delve into that. So uh, most of our videos will start with an overview of the location, um, either the the county or the, the city that the location is in, and then delve down into why that location is important, and then delve down further into what um, events happened at that location. So for me, it's a, it's a very broad overview. And then we go down into very specific things that I think our audience might find interesting.
0: As far as collaboration, how do you work as a team to do these things? So like, are you also producing the video and editing? And
1: Yes. Yeah, so we, we have different roles on the team. So because I'm the founder, uh, what I do is I'll actually scout out the locations and, and, or some somebody will tell us, hey, I think you should investigate this locations, um, And then we talk about it as a team and we decide where we want to go and if we want to do that. Um, and then I'll start the research on it. My sisters also help when they can, uh, as well as uh, Kim and uh, Cara, they help also. And we just start compiling information about that. And then when we go to the location, we use that information that we, we, we gained in our research to really drive our investigations. So um, kind of our questions during the investigation investigations, how we set up our, our equipment during the investigations, it's all led by that research, that overall broad research. And so then after the, and then during the investigation, we all have different roles such as, um, you know, Jenny will set up this type of equipment and I'll set up some other type of equipment. Um, So we do different things like that during the investigation. And then afterwards, uh, I'll be responsible for compiling everything and just, and putting it all together and editing our videos. I do all of the editing. So, because, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's our team and and I want to essentially have control over it um, because I feel that, that, that is what is best for our team. So, after the investigation, we because we have so much equipment running, we have night vision video cameras, we have voice recorders, we have other things that either measure um, uh, audio or visual components. And so we take all of that and, and we go through everything. So, you know, if I have 14 cameras running for 10 hours, I have 140 hours of audio and video that I'm looking through. So then I will go through all of that. And if we find anything compelling or unexplainable, then we clip that and we include it into the videos,
0: right? wow, that's a lot of work.
1: (laughs) It is, it is. And it's, you know, a lot of um, people in society now have that instant gratification where they know that we're going on an investigation. So the next day I'm always asked, what did you find? What did you get? What did you capture? And I was like, you know, slow down a little bit because I have to go through everything. It's a very meticulous process to go through all of the audio and video footage. But uh, it's something that I feel is important to our credibility to do that in the paranormal world, there are no experts. I will never call myself an expert in the paranormal community because there isn't any. Um, We're dealing with theories. We are dealing with the unexplainable. And so for me, what I do is I build my case through the videos. So I'll say, so let's take the Exchange Hotel investigation, for example. I I will start the video with the history of the Exchange Hotel and why it's important. And then I will show you through the video and tell you through the video that we had five investigators, female investigators, that night and we set up this equipment here, 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 and here, and here. And so that's building my case on, on what we did. So you can see our investigation st- strategy. And then I'll go through the actual investigation. And then I will show you the compelling evidence, the unexplainable evidence that we captured that night. So for example, we captured a male's voice and we captured a child's voice that night. There are no men and there are no children on the team. So I feel that's very compelling, unexplainable evidence. But I am not going to try to convince you of that through my videos. I'm just, again, building this case of something that I can't explain. It's up to the viewer to decide whether or not they believe it.
0: Do you have any advice for teachers who are trying to help students do digital storytelling like you are doing?
1: So my suggestion would be if you're doing something historic, like a historic location or a national park or something like that, really delve into the history, um, go to the state archives, go to the Smithsonian website, go to uh, the Library of Congress website, and really look through a lot of um, the, the uh, articles and, uh, and videos. I mean, this, the Library of Congress has videos that you can use. So you can use those uh, to really back up what you're doing and then just kind of build that research first and then put in some compelling narrative about that location. And to me, I think that adds a lot uh, to what you're trying to convey, especially if, if you've done that research and, and have that strong narrative behind either the location or, you know, like I said, the national park or, you know, anything that you're trying to research, um, just come up with a, a compelling narrative and a script first and then based on the research and then record that and and put the pieces um, of either your your visual pieces together.
0: What program do you use for your editing? I use Corel uh, Video Studio, C-O-R-E-L. Did you find the learning curve with learning how to edit? Was it easy, hard? I have a a pretty good understanding of technology,
1: um, but this was something that I had never really delved into before. So for me, you know, I just sat at the coffee shop for several hours one day just throwing different, you know, video clips in, like just video clips from my phone, just, you know, of, of a dog or something. Thing, and just throwing it in there and then just trying to manipulate it to, to see what this button does. Or if I click this, what does this do? Or, you know, if I if I hit this, does this zoom in or zoom out? So it, it really was a self-taught process with the, the program that I use. But now I absolutely love it. I, I think um, it's very easy. I can just drop my clips in and, and record my audio straight to that program. So if you're not familiar with it, obviously there's going to be a learning curve. But uh, once you you find that and you really start playing around with it, which is what I recommend any, you know, program, um, just play around with it and get proficient in it. And it's amazing what you can do.
0: Yeah. I think that's a huge message for kids is just go in and play around, like save your stuff somewhere else. Yeah. (laughs) Then bring it in Mm -hmm. and see what the buttons do. Just like you said, and, and not to be afraid of it and to be brave and just see what the things do. Because these kids are digital natives compared to us.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and another thing is don't get discouraged. You know, there's been several times where it hasn't turned out exactly as I wanted. But, you know, the next time you learn tricks or um, methods of doing that, and it, it, it works. So hang in there, essentially. Don't get discouraged with it. Play around with it. And it's amazing what you can learn when you do that process.
0: Yes, it's definitely a growth mindset situation. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> This might be a tricky one. What is your favorite story that you've told and why? For me, it
1: has actually been the story of the Ma Barker House in Central Florida. And this story was very compelling to me for a couple of reasons. The first one was it is essentially in my backyard. My Nana and Granddaddy lived about six miles from that house. And so when we would stay over and we would visit with them and we'd go into Ocklawaha to get the mail, we'd pass that house. And my Nana would say, there's where the Ma Barker shootout happened. So I was always fascinated with that story and to, to be able to get into that house and do an investigation was really um, just a highlight of our paranormal investigation experience so far. And to be able to tell that story to the people in my community, um, again, was just thrilling for me because it was amazing how many people did not know the history of it and so after that investigation and after our video uh, we were interviewed by several newspaper outlets um, in the community and i had people contacting us saying i never knew this was here i never knew this history was here i never knew that in 1935 little Oklawaha had the national spotlight on it for three or four weeks and so that I mean that video has been viewed over thirty seven thousand times I believe now wow. and and it's just fascinating to me that there's so much history in our backyards that people don't either know about or appreciate and if if I can bring that to the forefront or if I can highlight some of those historic places by what I do, then I feel that I've done my job you, you can't you can't go outside your doorstep really um, and and not hit something. Uh, that's historic, you know, whether it be a cemetery or a building or, you know, your downtown, most downtowns in, in cities and communities across the country have some type of longevity to them. They have a history to them. And it doesn't have to be ancient history. It doesn't have to be like St. Augustine from the 1500s. You know, it can be something that is from the 1800s or the, you know, the early 1900s. You know, in the Mom Barker case, it was 1935. So it doesn't have to be ancient history. You can absolutely and find compelling
0: stories um, that people would love to learn about right in your backyard. So what are you Zooming in on right now? Is there a certain place or a certain project you're working on?
1: Zooming in. Well, there's several things that we're doing right now. Um, We've actually have been fortunate enough to have three investigations under our belt or um, in our hopper right now, if I can say that. Um, And we're going back and analyzing all of that evidence that we captured there. So I'll be putting out some different videos. Um, We do have some uh, what we call paranormal conventions lined up that we're due to speak at. And that should be hopefully still going in October. So we're looking forward to that. And just really getting out and and trying to tell our story. I've been doing what I call a podcast tour. And so speaking to individuals such as yourself and, and other general interest podcasts where we can really tell our story and tell what we do and attempt, again, to bring this a little bit further into the mainstream.
0: I know it seems unrelated, but actually you can tell a lot about a person from their favorite movie. So what is your favorite movie and why?
1: My favorite movie is Star Wars, the original 1977 version. And I feel that it is the classic movie of good versus evil. And you are able to, to have this very cool um uh, different reality, but still have moral messages throughout, such as you know, friendship. You know, the need to to stick up for what you want and, and what you need, and you know, a little bit of of cool lightsaber action going on in there. So <laughs> for me, I, I've always loved Star Wars. Um, in fact, for my my college entrance essay, I, I did the the essay was on Star Wars and using the Force. So um, yeah, for me, it's always been Star Wars.
0: Interesting, and it's that's an interesting parallel. Your favorite movie to the to the work of you know looking into forces and energy like that.
1: Yes, absolutely. So yeah, Star Wars has always been uh, very, very influential in my life.
0: So how can people check out your work and reach you?
1: Uh, Well, we're um, on Facebook under Soul Sisters Paranormal, and that's where we're the most active. We do have a website, which is www.soulsistersparanormal.com. We do have a YouTube channel where you can watch all of our videos, and that's Soul Sisters Paranormal. And we are on Instagram under Soul Sisters Paranormal, but that's, that's the one that we're least active on.
0: Thank you so much, Christy Sumner. That was amazing. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode and have not done so already, please hit the subscribe button for the Teacher As podcast so you can get future episodes. I would love for you to leave a review and a rating as well if you have time. For my blog, transcripts of this episode, and links to any resources mentioned, visit my website at www.theteacheras.com. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Melissa B. Milner. And I hope you check out the Teacher As Facebook page for episode updates. I am sending a special thanks to Linda and Lester Fleischman, my mom and dad, for being so supportive. They are the voices you hear in the Zooming In soundbite, and my dad composed and performed the background music you are listening to right now. My intro music was Upbeat Party by Scott Holmes. So what are you Zooming In on? I would love to hear from you. My hope is that we all share what we are doing in the classroom in order to teach, remind, affirm, and inspire each other. Thanks for listening. And that's a wrap.